Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Welcome to the Content Experience Podcast. I'm Randy Frisch, and I am solo today, or I should say I'm without Anna today, but I have an amazing guest, a guest who I personally really respect and have leveraged over the years for advice as a marketer. This is John Miller. Now, if you don't know John Miller by name, he was one of the co-founders of Marketo, a company that recently sold for roughly $5 billion to Adobe. Uh, these days, John has moved on from the days where he helped create you know, a lot of the guides that you know established Marketo as a leader over there and moved to Engageo, where the latest trend on a lot of our minds is account-based marketing. And today, you know, we we touch on account-based marketing, but this isn't a pure account-based marketing show. This is a show where John and I got to talk a little bit about, you know, how is marketing changing and what's happening that's pushing marketing in different directions. And, you know, one of the things that I, I think John and I are so aligned on is this idea of the push to an expected personalized experience day to day. So when we think about our content, how do we start to uh, adjust that for the very many different audiences? And there was a number of different points that, that he, you know, he brought up that I found really interesting. You know, one of them that I'm sure a lot of you think about is, you know, how do you connect to different personas, but how do you do that even more so when it's not even just a matter of the format of content uh, or the, you know, the length of content? Are you doing a video? Are you doing an ebook? You know, but what happens when you also have to start to think about the different channels that people are going to engage with? So we talk a lot about these different ideas of engaging with accounts and how content comes into play on that front. You're going to enjoy this podcast. Let's hit it with John. We've got some fun right ahead for you. Welcome to the Content Experience Podcast. I'm Randy Frisch, and I've got John Miller here with me. John, let's dig right into it this week. Uh, on the podcast, we want to talk about how marketing's changing. And uh, you've seen different different evolutions of marketing. I mean, starting Marketo at a, at a time when marketing was changing itself. What's What was changing then? Before we talk about what's changing now, what was what was changing back then? Yeah, well, I mean, gosh, you know, so we started working on Marketo 2005. And if you think about that in history, I mean, obviously that was before the iPhone and a bunch of other changes. But actually, uh, Google AdWords was only about three years old <laughs> back then. And, and so what was going on is really for the first time in 2005, marketers were generating leads at any kind of scale, for, you know, really for the first time, you know, on, online leads. And they needed a, a place to capture these leads they were generating. You know, where does my click go? Uh, they needed a place to store these leads. Like, where do I put them? And then they needed, like, well, what do I do with them now that I have them? Because they're not ready for sales. Right. And, you know, and it really was the rise of all this online lead generation that led to the business challenges that, that made, created the opportunity for Marketo. And Nelpa and HubSpot and all these other guys. Uh, you know, it was just this this explosion in online lead generation. 
Interesting. Uh, and then, you know, obviously it's not, not just paid online lead generation, but then content revolution came around and now people started generating lots of leads organically and inbound, you know, but same, same problem. Where do I put, where, where do I capture them? Where do I store them? What do I do with them? To, and, to your quick question on that, to your point in, in terms of capturing people's attention back then, which is, I think a big, big thing that we'll probably get to today is, is how do we, how do we be relevant? How do we capture someone's attention? What was being used back in 2005 to capture someone's attention? Was it, was it content being dangled on the other end still? Yeah, it was just a lot easier though. Um, you know, the world was a lot less noisy and, um, you know, just frankly, all you had to really do is start a blog and, and you could get, you could get your word out, you know? Um, and it was, it was pretty crazy kind of, you know, how quote unquote, how easy it was then compared to what's going on, you know, now. So, but yeah, I think, you know, Marketo, we were early pioneers of kind of obviously using content, you know, as the dangle to uh, try to capture some of these leads as well. Uh, yeah, it was just a lot easier then. It was before content shock and all that other stuff. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot, a lot has changed to your point 10 years later. I, it's funny. I remember doing a post going into 2019, uh, looking at, you know, 10 trends for 2019, but comparing them to the trends for 2009 and how uh-huh. how different those those trends were, I mean, same in some ways, but different in terms of sophistication. So what what are some of the things that you've, you see now as, as you've taken on creating Engageo as a company and, and some of your go-to-market strategies that you're just trying to solve for in terms of com- com- complexion for the marketer? Yeah, well, I mean, all the problems that I'm sort of most interested in are the ones that kind of come about as a result of the limitations of Marketo and the other tools that we built. You know, I mean, because, you know, as a, that tool was built for a certain set of problems. But, you know, you fast forward to today, and there's, there, there's, there's, you know, there's some different things. I mean, the one that obviously I'm most associated with these days is more and more people are realizing that just generating a bunch of leads isn't what it's really about. And, you know, because we don't sell leads, we sell accounts. You know, and salespeople don't talk about how many leads they close. They talk about how many accounts they closed. You know, and that kind of thing. So, so clearly one of the big train changes is just this kind of zeitgeist of realizing that in B2B, you know, you need to be account focused and not lead focused, right? And, and that's the opportunity that ultimately that I saw for Engageo. You know, you got tools like Marketo that are lead focused. How do we create tools like Engageo that are more account focused? That's one train, cha- change. I think another one that I see, uh, you know, is, is most companies today are getting more of their revenue after their first sale than as part of the first sale. You know, and that's the whole, obviously, the subscription economy and software as a service. But um, that whole post-sale is more important than ever, uh, whether it's retention or expansion or cross-sell. And, you know, the, the Marketo-style tools aren't built for that, right? They're built to generate new leads for new business. And it was, frankly, always a problem back when I was at Marketo that, you know, you would get a response from a customer, you know, and it sort of was useless. Like, what's the point? <laughs> like, right. you know, I'm trying to create new opportunities. What's what's the value of this customer downloading my content? Who, yeah, it's like, who do we route this this inbound request from a customer that goes to contact us? 
the, at, yeah, at domain.com or, or fills out a form and you're like, oh, this, that's not us. That's, yeah. that's a support issue. Yeah, and then I mean, obviously, there's business process stuff there, but Marketo and the other tools just aren't built to support that. So I think that's another big change is kind of this move to kind of, you know, supporting um, post-sale. And as part of that, you need a much more nuanced understanding of different products and different buying centers, right? Because that, that inbound lead request you just talked about, right? It might very well be a support request from a user who's using your current product X, but it might also be a legitimate inquiry from a different buying center at the same company interested in product Y that they don't currently own. Mm-hmm. And, and the existing tools just don't have any ability to understand that distinction and kind of treat, treat it appropriately. Um, so I, I want to go back to, to a point that you were comparing with um, back, you know, in 2005 or, you know, 10, 15 years ago, whenever we want to pinpoint to, and this idea that, that there was a time when it was very simple that if we just created content, they would come, right? You know, if, you know, Kevin Costner build it, they, they will come and yep. in, in field of dreams. And, you know, those days are, are pretty much gone. I think a lot of us can agree with that. You mentioned Mark Schaefer's content shock. Uh, you know, there's, there's also, you know, just the reality today. And, and I talk about this a lot when I'm out there is, is my own house. I have, I think last I checked seven Google home devices, right. And, uh-huh on those devices, that is how I search, right? It's, you know, I say to the device, you know, tell me how to make poached eggs. And I'm basically going to Google um, to say, give me the first result in the list. Like it's no longer being on the first page of the matters. You know, we're entering a world where we have to be in the first result and we have to match, you know, to Amazon's echo skills and all the, the different things to help people understand how to, how to be sufficient in life. Um, how do you, how do you break through now or how do you, you know, what is that expectation going to, how is it going to shift? Do you think when it comes to content um, in terms of what do we have to lead with or how we engage our audiences? I think, um, well, as you know, I've always, I've always had a bias towards big rock content as I like to call it, you know, big, substantial, definitive, complete pieces of content that can really serve as, you know, the bedrock or the, the anchor to kind of everything else. Um, amongst other reasons, you know, for that is, is, the same, is this thing that you're talking about. You know, the kind of, you, you want to aim for the, the big fat head and not the long tail, uh, you know, especially when there's even more and more and more noise out there. So if you can have that cornerstone uh, piece that people really do start to see as the definitive piece of content on the topic, it's more likely to show up, you know, in that number one spot. Now, I'm not sure how many people are at home asking their Google Home or their Alexa for B2B marketing advice, uh, but but I think some of the same principles still do apply. Yeah, I also think it's a matter of time until that expectation from that Google home device is also what transfers to even a Google search where the first result that we expect should be the right result. So it's, you know, there, there used to be that saying the best place to hide something was page two of Google results. Now it is, it's not just page one, it's often result one. So it's, I I like to think that, yes, we may not be at the point where we're going to start talking to devices to get our answers from a B2B search perspective, but it, it, inf- 
it relates to our expectations. Yeah. I think uh, there's something else going on that I haven't really explored much, um, but there's a definitive, I'm sure other people have explored this too, so it may not sound like rocket science, but you know, there's a definitive difference to how I consume content from how, for example, I think some of the millennials in my workplace consume content, which is way different from how my 13-year-old son consumes content. <laughs> um, you know, and, and to maybe oversimplify the whole thing, you know, the last thing I want to see when I have my content feed is video. Like if I see that it's a video, I don't want to click through because like I don't want something to start playing. I want just something I can just, I can, I can read, you know? And then other people, it's just give me the video, you know, all the time. And so I think as we sort of think about evolving content into the future, you know, obviously there's, there's different formats and different, um, uh, modalities. And to be honest, I haven't cracked the code on what is the video equivalent of my clear and complete guide. You right. Know, that kind Absolutely. of anchor, anchor piece. So this is, this is a fun debate. I, I want to keep going on this one. I actually have an, an interesting customer segment that, that I think this relates really well to the example you just said, but we're going to leave that as a cliffhanger here from one of our sponsors. And we'll, we'll use that on the second half here to, to debate how do you go to market when you have so many different audiences and only so much bandwidth to create content. We'll be right back here on the Connex podcast. Hi, friends. This is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, reminding you that this show, the Connex Show podcast, is brought to you by Uberflip, the number one content experience platform. Do you ever wonder how content experience affects your marketing results? Well, you can find out in the first ever content experience report, where Uberflip uncovers eight data science-backed insights to boost your content engagement and your conversions. It's a killer report, and you do not want to miss it. Get your free copy right now at uberflip.com slash connex show report. That's uberflip.com slash connex show report. And the show is also brought to you by our team at Convince and Convert Consulting. If you've got a terrific content marketing program, but you want to take it to the very next level, we can help. Convince and Convert works with the world's most iconic brands to increase the effectiveness of their content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, and word of mouth marketing. Find us at Convince and Convert. All right, John, we're back and we're talking about the importance of delivering more relevant content ultimately to people and their different consumption patterns and how they're changing these days. And, you know, I kind of tease this idea that that that's a challenge in different ways that we go to market. One of them that, that actually spoke to a marketer recently on is higher education, choosing a university or a college and having to figure out in that scenario where the, the college has to essentially get the parent on board, has to get the student on board, uh, who may be you know, 17 years old or younger when they start making their choices. Not to mention, they're also trying to get alumni to sponsor or donate to the university, which is a whole other demographic. So you end up with this, these marketing teams, and, and we can relate to this probably in our B2B world, where you know, these days the number of people who are weighing in on a buying decision is growing. Right. You know, when when someone evaluates Uberflip, I'm sure in Gageo, we're not dealing with one buyer. We've got multiple buyers. So, you know, how, how are you starting to test these different personas and, and understand what does work? Well, I think it is a really good use case for the whole idea of account based marketing. I mean, 
Uh, a lot of people think of account-based marketing as just, you know, sending queue packages uh, or something. But, but in reality, what it is, it's about understanding that there is an account <laughs> and there are multiple people at that account and you do need to engage with them. Uh, you know, usually that's segmented by persona more than by kind of consumption, you know, content consumption habit. But, but that would be an interesting way to think about segmenting things. Yeah, but fundamentally, if the count is worth enough value, you know, then you've got to go in and really say, okay, who are the six people that, that I care about and how am I going to engage with each of them, in, you know, separately? That's what ABM is about. You know, and that, that might be this person needs a video and this person needs written content. Um, it might be that this person really cares about profitability, whereas this person cares about ease of use, you know, and just different ways of kind of just making sure that you are being relevant. And, and, and you know, because and, fundamentally, more than anything else, I think when people are talking about ABM, you know, one of the things that, that, that's, that they, that, that's important to say as part of that discussion is you're reaching out to people you're not waiting for them to come and raise their hand to you. And, you know, when you're reaching out to people, you have to stand out from all the noise and all the clutter that's out there. And the only way you're going to do that is if you can be more relevant, if you can be more meaningful, you know, somehow, you know, connect to their needs and their pains better than everybody else, you know? And so, yes, it's a buying committee, multiple personas, multiple types. How are we going to stand out? Uh, so you know, what do you, so maybe you can give people an example of, of a program or campaign that you've seen operated well, either, either something engages is doing or, or one of the accounts that you're working with who are taking that time to understand that there's a different, different type of content or different type of, you know, engagement strategy that's needed for different buyers at different stages and, and someone who's differentiated well. There's probably more examples out there, but one, one that comes to mind, you know, of just people who really think about kind of multiple, multiple personas that they need to sell to, you know, is, you know, a company called Lingo Live that sells language training for people who have large outsourced development teams, right? So again, if you have a bunch of engineers in some foreign country, how do you help them, you know, speak English well enough to collaborate with the rest of the company, for example? Uh, so it's an interesting business problem they're solving, but there's no way that somebody buys their product without basically a sign off from both the head of HR and the head of engineering. And in reality, those two departments don't talk very often. <laughs> um, and so they put together, you know, a relatively simplistic ABM program, but that just basically, you know, sent a package to both of them. Um, and I actually, I don't remember the specifics of what they said, but it only worked as if they came together a gift card, but they each had half the code or something. And, and it was basically a forcing function just to get these two uh, executives who don't normally talk to actually have a collision and, and maybe explore kind of the business problem that, that they're talking about. So not a perfect example of what you're getting at, but, but it is at least the first one that comes to mind of, you know, people who really think about the fact that there are multiple personas uh, at a company and you therefore need, need uh, to hit them from different dimensions. Absolutely. One of the ones that I know you guys do a great job with, because we've talked a lot about ABM, is is having a guide of your own, and it's 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 hefty, as you said. It's a big rock. Um, when when you think about engaging with people, is your goal that as many of the people in the buying committee read that asset, or is your goal, you know, that that specific will, but there may be derivatives of that asset 
for others in that committee to to simplify? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a good question. Um, you, you know, our our goal has been just how do we get as many people to see this thing as possible, um, and also how do we get the most important people to kind of see this thing. You know, we wrote it in a way that's very much designed to be uh, flipped through and and browsed. You know, it's it's not you know most white papers, you know, are written very much like I'm starting on page one and I expect the reader is going to read it. You know, each page and these big blocks of text. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's actually how people consume a lot of the content. You know, and so I think even though these books are big and potentially on the face of it overwhelming, it's oh wow, it's 180 pages. What's amazing is you put it in somebody's hands and you just see what they start doing. They just start flipping through, you know, and then something catches their eye and they look at it and then they like go a couple more pages and then something else catches their eye. And that's almost a, a nice format to get different people. Different people will claw onto different things based upon their own interests. Yeah, it's it's got that feel. On, I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking of this because my my oldest kid is is almost as old as yours is twelve, and he brought home from school last night his yearbook. Right? I mean, this thing's thick, but I, you know, and he showed it to me. He wanted me to you know look through the whole thing, and I was intrigued. But I flipped through and I picked the sections that looked intriguing or looked like I could connect with my kid in some sort of meaningful way. And, and I think that's you know very aligned with how a lot of us look through a lot of content today. Right. I mean, you know, when, as you said, when we're on a channel like LinkedIn, we're scrolling through just looking for something that catches our attention. And, and, yep. I, and it sounds like that's those elements are still possible if, if we format these guides and format these big rock assets in that way. Perhaps that's something to think about is, as you said earlier, how do you how do you transfer this into video or something like that? There needs to be a way to navigate to those highlight moments um, without getting overwhelmed seeing a, you know, a 25 minute video. We've got a couple minutes left. It, we'll get you to stick around, John. We always try and have some fun and get to know our guests a little bit better. But before we, we break to that, maybe just let us know where people can find that guide that we've just talked about. Yeah. So, you know, engageo.com slash guide is the short URL, or you can just go to your website and you probably won't have too much trouble finding it. Uh, it's the clear and complete guide to account-based marketing. There you go. All right, John, we got to know you. We got to know the past of Marketo, the present of Engageo. We're going to get to know a little bit behind the scenes when you're not in work mode right after this short break. Hey, everyone. I wanted to take just a few seconds today to talk to you about Emma. Emma is an email marketing platform that helps you connect with your audience and grow lasting relationships. They're awesome. They offer really intuitive tools to build and automate emails with powerful segmentation and reporting too. And the big difference is they're focused on you. Between their award-winning support and their pro services team, they make sure every customer has success with their email marketing. Seriously, they are amazing. You can learn more and request a demo today at myemma.com slash J is awesome. Again, that's myemma.com slash J is awesome. All right, John, we are back on the Connex podcast and we are just wrapping up here. We've got a couple minutes left to get to know you, some of your interests, what, what fuels you when you're not you know, dreaming about marketing. And one of my favorite questions to ask people ties to podcasts. We're on a podcast. It's a great format of, of content. You know, maybe it is that answer, as we said to the 
you know, the, the big rock piece um, that can be can, you know, created on a regular basis. But if, if you were creating a podcast that had nothing to do with marketing, um, you know, just tied to a passion, a hobby, uh, an interest that you, you focus on on your downtime, what would be that podcast? What would you call it? Or who would be your first guest on, on that podcast? Yeah, well, so, you know, at first I wanted to kind of talk something about, you know, how I, you know, like working out and staying fit and all that kind of thing. Uh, and I realized that even though that's important to me, that's not what my podcast would be about. And instead, my podcast would be about a passion in the other direction on the health spectrum, which is cocktails. All right, nice. I, 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 I'm very into cocktails. Uh, I make them at home. Uh, when love having company over and uh, kind of always kind of, you know, I've got a good enough bar. I can kind of, you know, make quite a different, quite a few things or uh, interesting variants. And I'm always kind of exploring new different things. So I think what's, what's your go-to drink on a Sunday evening? Oh, it varies all the time. I mean, like most, like a lot of people, I, I drink a lot of Manhattans because they're both good and easy. Um, recently I've been making a drink called the View Carré. Uh, That's amazing. I've had it. It's awesome. Okay. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's a sweeter, spicier version of a Manhattan. Yeah. They call it a penicillin. I've been making a lot recently. I haven't had that. It's got scotch and honey and ginger in it. Anyway, so I think a, a podcast about cocktails and cocktail trends, you know, kind of, you know, history of cocktails, you know, something around that, you know, there's a really good, probably the best cocktail recipe books out there uh, is from uh, um, called Death and Company, you know, which is, I, I believe they're a New York cocktail bar, but they sort of have published more like the, the great modern guides, you know, to cocktails. And so I'd have one of those authors on, on the podcast. Cool that's amazing that's great that's i, I would tune in i i've actually uh this is this is true you can ask my marketing team i've wanted to do a segment uh from a content perspective called content and cocktails okay. uh where you know two marketers just sit at a bar order drink very very uh seinfeld uh like in terms awesome. of comedians in cars yeah. drinking coffee but uh simplified for production yeah. purposes yeah, maybe, maybe we'll collaborate. Uh, anyways, John, this has been a lot of fun. I, I really thank you for, for making the time and for everyone listening, for tuning in. Uh, hopefully this challenges you to think more about the relevance of the content you're putting in front of people as you tie, you know, to engage with accounts in a more meaningful way. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's the big takeaway is that marketing has changed a lot uh, over the last 10, 15 years alone, and it will continue to change going forward, leaning to this personalization economy. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please check out all the other episodes. You can find them anywhere from Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. We are everywhere and where you can. Please leave a review and let us know what you like. Until next time, thanks so much for tuning in. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.